0: Uh, Hey everyone, that's what I say every time that I come to sell you something. I am selling you candles. This is Dan, your friend on the podcast. I have candles for sale. They are P-Tape prayer candles and Robert Muller prayer candles. I light them a lot. And let me tell you, I didn't think magic was real. And maybe it still isn't. But stuff happens after I light them. That could happen for you too. You can go to omfg.church. That's omfg. Dot church and get your own. Buy candles. Candles.
1: Hi, it's me, Maureen Johnson. I'm an author. Hey, listen to me. Listen up good. I've written a whole bunch of books. Like, how many, Dan? I don't know. 13, 14. I've a whole I honestly, bunch. It's a lot. It's, it's like st- a whole
0: shelf's worth.
1: It is f- for sure. I can tell you this that there are a lot because I just sent off extra foreign copies to the New York Public Library and I thought it was just a couple and it was six large boxes worth and those were just some spares that I had in the closet, which is too many. And then I'm sending extra copies to another library and that was five boxes. Basically everything in my life is made of books. That's not a table, that's a pile of books buy some. Here's one you, look, it's summer. Read a nice book. Don't listen to the news or just get away. Get a book. You like a nice mystery? Truly devious. I just wrote it. It's a nice mystery. I'm doing the next one. It's called The Vanishing Stare. It's in front of me now. I'm finishing it. It's coming out in January. You'll like it. Hey, you want a short story? I got one coming out tomorrow, which is yesterday for you, or maybe some other day because you're in the future now. It's called Every Exquisite Thing. I wrote it with Cassie Clare. It's part of the Shadowhunter world, and you like it. You can get that if you want. Look, books. They're candles.
0: That they were also books.
1: Buy some books of mine, for God's sake. Or don't. Like, it's no pressure. I, it's not one of those. It's not a kind of relationship that we have that you have to buy my stuff. Hmm.
0: Uh, uh, uh. hey maureen is yeah, is maureen. everything okay you sound a little i um uh, fine
1: fine 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 everything's fine everything's fine hey everything's fine
0: okay i i i know you've got a lot going on um uh, but we're supposed to uh start the new uh, episode of says who yep yep
1: yep yep, yep. i'm right ready? here i'm doing i'm i'm paying attention i'm paying attention okay do you can you alter address
0: yeah, I can actually. I have a sewing machine and everything. I'm really good at sewing stuff.
1: And can you do flowers?
0: Mm, I did work at a landscaping company when I was in college.
1: Great. How soon can you be here?
0: So, yeah, you know, soon. Soon enough. Great.
1: great. That is great. I'll just put you down for dress, flowers, and can you make rings?
0: Uh... I could probably just like. Going to put take, you take, down
1: for rings. Yeah. Going to put you down for rings, and you have candles. Putting you down for candles.
0: Um, Maureen. All right,
1: can you perform? Can you perform marriage ceremonies? Yes. Putting.
0: I am an ordained minister in the Universal Life Church.
1: That's great. I'm going to put you down for. Uh, that's altering hey, my dress, doing the flowers, I, candles. Out of pure. Can you pure? Can you cook?
0: Yeah, I can cook.
1: I'm going to put you down for cake.
0: Okay. I'm
1: uh, just I know actually curious. I've got that real, blue apron food in a box. I'm going real
0: quick, Maureen.
1: That. Yeah.
0: Are you getting married in like a week and a half? Mm. We yeah. yep. Cuz yep. all this yep. stuff it's seems fine. like Everything's fine. seems like details that should have been mm-hmm. ironed out a while ago.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's time. There's time. There's always time. That's the thing about the universe, Dan, is that there's always time until, uh, I guess, even after the sun takes over the planet, there's going to be time, Dan. Even then there'll be time. Time goes on, Dan. Time is big. There's time. Time.
0: You seem like you're holding up real well.
1: Can you make suits?
0: Uh. I'm um, I'm going to put you down
1: as suits fan. Great. Okay. Uh, I feel a lot better now that some of those things are taken
0: care of. All right. Well, then let's, uh, let's go ahead and record.
1: Great. Do you know how to make podcasts?
0: You no. Know.
1: I'm going to put you down for podcasts. Welcome to Says Who the Podcast That Isn't a
0: Podcast. It's a coping strategy. I'm Dan Sinker,
1: and I'm getting married in a week and a half. Maureen
0: and Johnson. Also Maureen Johnson.
1: Also Maureen Johnson.
0: You are getting married in a week and a half, Maureen. You're in the shoot. Are you already only, wearing
1: the dress? Only some of those things were jokes, Dan. It,
0: it'll all work out.
1: I my dress is two feet too long and i have to get it altered and i haven't done that yet
0: um dude i just saw the royal wedding and megan merkel is that her last name merkel Merkel. merkel is
1: the, is the chancellor of germany ah,
0: i got that confused chancellor merkel's dress mm. was real long you just oh, go yeah. with that find a few children to carry it behind you it's romantic Look.
1: I'm getting married in Central Park. I can find a couple of raccoons to carry it. There
0: you go. Just stick some nuts at the back of it.
1: You'll have a little, like,
0: a whole bunch of squirrels following behind you.
1: Oh, some Central Park raccoons carrying your dress. Perfect.
0: Seems nice.
1: Well, we are getting married in the middle of Central Park, so there will just be rando spectators and weirdos. Yeah. So I'm, I'm down for that.
0: It seems like like the potential for heckling is pretty high.
1: Look, if you can find us, you're invited.
0: Wow, mm-hmm. like that's a, to a everybody. Man, says Whovians. get on the scent. Yep, it smells if you like can, if,
1: if, smells you like can cotton candy out, and
0: raccoons. I should leave little breadcrumb trails of where I
1: probably will. I've I've tweeted some pictures of the approximate location, so I think uh, some people have sort of already guessed where I'm getting married.
0: I, but it's I, a Wait, let me guess. New York City. Yes. Ah, got it.
1: Well, it's ruined now. Now I can't get married because the surprise is over.
0: Well, sorry. That's just me. You've ruined everything. I'm a real ray of sunshine, Maureen.
1: Look, we got to get you upbeat, Dan. There's so much news to talk about.
0: I'm pretty excited about one thing, Maureen. What's that? Apparently, we're at war with Canada.
1: Fuck Canada, right? I'm about in. time. It
0: is about time. I've been There's ready. I've oh, been training yeah, for this yeah. my whole life. Oh, man. Canada. Canada. Oh.
1: I'm, uh, I don't know. Can you hear my phone ringing? The little do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That's another thing when you get married. People call you, like, every single day to ask you things like,
0: what's is up? Is it counter-offers? You've just been inundated with proposals?
1: Well, I'll tell you something, Dan. My boyfriends have been very quiet. They have. And I th- I think that they are – they're either very upset or they're planning something. And I want to believe that they're planning something. And I'm pretty sure that they're going to sweep me off my feet at, as I'm trying to get into the ceremony. And, like, one will try to – one will commandeer – So Carter Page, okay, here's how I see it. So I'm going to the part in Central Park where I'm going to get married. And then Carter Page has commandeered a pedicab. And he's like, oh, And he's like, meanwhile, Meanwhile, Sam Nunberg has gotten one of those horse and carriages. And he's like, whoa. And he's there. And then like Rudy Giuliani is like, he's on a city bike going, whoa. And he's trying to get there. He's not really my boyfriend. But he's just like trying to like get into the mix because that's what he does. And there's like a whole thing that happens. Like, will it be Carter? Will it be Sam? Like, is – is is Rudy Giuliani going to fall into the lake? It's, I think that's what's happening.
0: That's really romantic. It
1: is. It is. I don't know who will win. Mm. We're at war with Canada now. We hate Canada. And I'm like quasi-Canadian a little bit. Not really. What? My grandfather was Canadian. Mm. He's you from Philly. Nanaimo.
0: Philly's like the anti-Canada. It's the opposite of Canada.
1: Philly truly is the anti-Canada, but no, my grandfather was from Nanaimo in British Columbia. That's
0: not a real place.
1: That is totally a real place. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of salmon.
0: I worked with a lot of Canadians once, Maureen. And, uh, yeah. Are
1: they trying to be polite to you? Yeah,
0: much too polite. I did learn that the best Canadian troll you can do is to purposefully confuse Saskatoon and Saskatchewan.
1: Out of all the weird twists that could have happened in the last week or so, I did not see this weird mid-season plot change of now we're angry at Canada coming.
0: It's it certainly takes effort, right? Like one thing about Trump, he does not usually exert much effort. He in fact, he believes that one should exert as little energy as possible because The human body is like a battery and there is no way to get more energy. So like, but he really put in the work. You got to give him a little bit of credit for really upping the hustle on being able to get Canada so mad at us.
1: Yeah, takes a lot. I mean, Justin Trudeau is like he spends all of his free time doing yoga. He does yoga on his desk. Trump's not doing yoga on his. I'd forgotten the battery theory. Oh, that we yeah. have a limited amount of energy and that's why you shouldn't work
0: out. In fact, he just hosted a fitness thing the, uh, at the White House and he even gave a little speech where he was like, well, I don't exercise. But if you do, but I don't. Uh, yeah, he doesn't believe in it. He thinks that he, he will dispel too much energy and then you die early.
1: Yep. Well, it seems like all of our trouble started at the G7.
0: Yeah. This was a meeting that he did not want to go to. He showed up. Trump. Yeah. Trudeau was fine with oh, it probably. Yeah. Everyone else was like, yes, this is a meeting of the major industrialized nations of the world and we get together and we make sure everything's okay. And, you know, we signed an agreement at the end of it. This has happened for a very long time now. The, the G7 used to be the G8. I think at one point it wasn't at the G10, I think. And, uh, you know, the, the, the number of people that are a part of it do change and perhaps have changed again. Uh, But this is not a, this is not a, this is not a heavy lift of a meeting yet. uh, He didn't want to go. This is documented. Like he didn't want to go. He complained about it. He actually considered sending uh, Mike Pence in his place for a, for a short period of time. Uh, But he went, he gave a uh, kind of rambling news conference, uh in the Rose garden before flying off to Canada, uh in which he said that you know why is he even going to this meeting if Russia isn't a part of it, which is that's cool. That's a cool thing to say, Maureen.
1: It's normal, it's all what it is is normal
0: It's a super normal thing to say uh and then he went, he was apparently late to every meeting, and then he left four hours early and from the plane he 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 reversed. The agreement that they were going to sign this this thing, he once he had flown away, he had a temper tantrum on the plane. And uh, and now the U.S. has not signed the G7 agreement this year.
1: Which is kind of a rubber stamp thing, if I.
0: It's not none of this stuff is like this is kind of it's all for show. It's all to show that, you know, these major nations of the country are together. Oops,
1: and then they were all. Then yes, he gets on the plane, and he's you know fuck you Canada, and um. Now we're now we're really angry at Canada. Meanwhile, meanwhile Dan. Meanwhile, he's on. He's landed. He's in Singapore, and at nine p.m. because we're recording this on Monday, so you future people will know how this is going to turn out. But right now, he is uh going to have a summit with. Kim Jong Un in
0: 2 hours. It's true. It's the home pooper summit. If it's anything, it's that. Kim Jong Un brought his own toilet, which is You
1: need to talk to me about this because I didn't toilet. know he brought his own toilet.
0: Yeah, so he brought in a he he brought a cargo plane along and in that cargo plane is apparently a toilet that he's going to use uh because he does not want any intelligence service finding anything out about his diet or his health.
1: Presumably it must be connected to local, a local plumbing source, or is he going to just get
0: out? Of cl- I think he's shipping it back. It's only, it, they're only there for like 24 hours.
1: I want to think that in the middle of the night, he leaves his hotel room and I, I'm picturing it like a motel six where he's going out on the balcony and he's going down and he goes to his plane, which is parked in the, in the parking lot. He goes onto the plane and he comes back out. And that's how that's how it's happening. Yeah. And that Trump is doing the exact same thing on the other side.
0: He can't poop in his plane. I think part of the reason that Trump is in such a bad mood is he has not pooped in like two weeks.
1: I think if no one else is on the plane, though,
0: I don't know. I don't know. I think they have tried real hard. Maybe maybe he's good with the plane now. It's been a while. But
1: if no one's if no one's on the plane, they
0: just keep it empty. I don't know. I don't know. That would throw my whole home pooping theory way off. But yeah, so they they will have met by the time you hear this. I suppose if like um, everything goes to shit in the next like three hours, we should maybe re- re-record, but hopefully it won't. Right. Right. It's going to be fine. Isn't it, Maureen? Maureen, tell me it's going to be fine.
1: it going to be fine. It's going it to be fine. The two most stable people in the world are meeting Dan. It can only be fine.
0: It is a plot twist where we're going to, in one week, go from, like, we are enemies with Canada and best friends with North Korea.
1: And isn't it a real shame that Russia isn't here? Yeah. Hey, anybody, do you ever notice how Russia's not... Why don't we invite... Why doesn't Russia hang out with us anymore?
0: Ugh.
1: None of this makes sense. Not none of it makes sense. No, um, none of it. Though people, to be fair, there were people who did predict these outcomes and say, "Look, this is the logical con- no, extension of what of the well, path I mean, we've that's been the on." Thing.
0: None of it makes sense. Yet all of it also makes sense. You know, like I mean, it's right. this is exactly the worst case scenarios that that some folks were saying. You know, even before the election. You know, and and just. Yeah, we're we're there. I found last week very difficult, I have to say. I found just it. It was that realization of like we are. We are in those worst case scenarios now, you know, like as much as we hoped that his incompetence would keep anything from, you know, really happening, uh, things are happening, you know, and. uh, Last week was a tough week, Maureen.
1: It was, I mean, not to dance around it, but, like, some of the stuff that was happening last week is that there were two um, quite prominent suicides. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that was, you know, it, and it it was hard not just because they were prominent people, but, like, that you know, it was one of those illusions from the outside of, like, Here are people that seem to be at the top of their game and, you know, and I mean, and the great but a great conversation around that is like, well, no, you can never tell if somebody needs help and you should never assume that someone doesn't need help. And we need to make it a world where it's okay for people to always say I need help because mental health is a very fluid situation and. It is a health issue. It's a health issue. It's a health issue. It's a health issue. sure is. So for the same way that you wouldn't hesitate if you had the flu to seek help, depression is precisely the same, except that it brings with it illusions of it tells you things. The flu doesn't. I mean, the flu can whisper to you, but the flu tends to say things like the walls are wobbling. Uh, Everything's terrible. But like. The the depression has its own terrible whispers. Yeah. And sometimes those whispers are also on the outside that people have this mis- incredibly terrible misconception that it's not it's not a health issue, that it's some kind of weakness when in fact it is it's a health issue, it's a health issue, it's a health issue. And people come in and out of these things, and everybody deserves help and anybody can ask for help. Anybody, anybody, anybody at any time. It's true.
0: And I think it's just, you know, to me, one of the things that 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 was hard, but also nice to see was especially in the light of of uh, Anthony Bourdain's suicide on on Friday. And I think this is probably mostly a reflection of the the. Twitter circles that I follow, that this was when I really saw this stuff amplified was, you know, a lot of people and people of prominence and people of not prominence, but talking about their struggles with depression and mental health. And it's a nice, it's nice to remember, you know, and it's especially nice to know how hard it is for everyone during this time, you know, during a time when the you know, the news of the day is so grindingly awful. You know, how do you deal with that and then deal with your your own mental health on top of that is, boy, mm-hmm. that's hard. That is
2: hard.
1: And people, absolutely people listening to this right now are dealing with some, like, there's, there's for sure people listening to that, this right now who are dealing with. Mm, uh, depression and anxiety at all levels and oh yeah all kinds of things There are so, people
0: hosting this that are dealing with depression and anxiety at all levels
1: say it that's right i mean yeah i i my my path with this is that i've had some um mine tends to be anxiety just bone rattling anxiety um at points partially cuz i was i was sick and um and it i it is it is um really reality bending and then you wonder like oh maybe i just won't function anymore maybe i just can't do anything maybe maybe nothing is real oh i guess i'm just on this terrible ride all the time and um by the way i no longer suffer from it um or i'm not currently cuz things ebb and flow and, um, because it's always, I think it's always good when I had it, I was too scared to read anything about it. Cause I was like, oh, this is permanent. And I'm like, in case anyone's like, I'd like a story about someone who's, you know, no, I, I am one. So
0: yeah, um, and I mean, yeah, for me, it's it's less anxiety and more depression. But yeah, I was at actually at my therapist's office on Friday and was talking about like I know I need to do all of these things. Like I have an insane number of things that need to be accomplished in the next few months. And uh, and I was like, but all I really want to do is just lie on the floor with my face on the floor. And she was like, yeah, that's that's what the depression is. I was like, oh right, that right. It's not just that I'm really tired. It's that my brain is working against me sometimes.
1: Absolutely. Um, if I if I'm having trouble dealing with something, I get I speed up and then slow down a lot. So I'll I'll do anything, anything, other than like if I have to if I have the racingness, I'll be paint i'll reorganize that i i will do like because i can't stop because it's it's like a it's like electricity running through you know it's everybody you know i I don't know it's very few people i know who haven't because it's normal because it's It's a health issue it's normal it's yeah if if you're if you're anywhere and you're like this is abnormal it's you're not you're in such good company
0: yeah you absolutely are um And it's important just to yeah, it's important to remember and it's important to to talk about it where you can and when you can. And, you know, to 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 listen to folks that are, you know, saying to you, hey, you know, what's up? And sometimes you just tell them what's up, you know, it ain't always have to be I'm fine.
1: I read something somebody commented something about Anthony Bourdain that I thought was really actually very inspiring. They're like, you know, he's actually suffered his whole life he had a heroin addiction he had like he and he's like he survived yeah for, for a very long time with this disease yeah which is actually a really beautiful thing he survived for a very long time
0: yeah it's true
1: and um and it is you know and the more that we talk about it the more it's looked at researched you know the more it's out there and the less it's hidden that's all to the good that's all it it helps it it can only help
0: yeah it sure it sure can well Maureen speaking of talking to people speaking of helping getting some advice and perspective on the just grindingness of everything I'd like that let's talk to Peter segel he's the host like that he is the host of wait wait don't tell me for maureen for the last 20 years he has been hosting a weekly news quiz on npr he is hilarious he is uh very smart and like you maureen he is getting married very very soon not to me not to you but that would have been a real plot twist Last Friday, I woke up and made the mistake I make every morning of checking my phone. And the first thing I saw before I saw any actual news, actually, was you tweeting just once, once this terrible year, I would like to wake up and look at my phone and be glad I did. And that is certainly something that I have felt really like I've thought about that tweet pretty much every morning since, and had had some version of that tweet uh, in my head for months now. And I'm kind of just, do you know why we do this to ourselves every morning? <laughs> I, I've
2: thought about that a lot. Um, and I need to be honest with myself. I was sort of a Twitter addict you know, before the current crisis, back in the, in the before times, which we will someday tell our children about around the campfire and the wreckage. Uh, but it's obviously much worse now. And it's very, very hard to tear myself away from any media. Uh, I do things that I've never done before. I watch cable news all day. I never did that. Why would I do that to myself? It's like beating your head in with a ball-peen hammer. But nonetheless, I do it. And like, what, what are we doing? I mean, is it the car crash theory? Like, the, the, the wreckage of everything that we used to think was stable and, you know, would underlie our trivial arguments forever. The wreckage of that is so compelling, we have to keep watching it. Or is it that we're we're looking we're, we're hoping to wake up and see well to put it in a way that you might understand that, that your candle prayers have come true right that, that that the end has finally come it's over you know the whatever metaphor you want to use the armies of the north have arrived Gandalf is at the top of the hill with the riders of Rohan and they're going to come down the hill and the battle's going to be done I mean we're is that what we're looking for I I think so. I, I mean, because you keep hoping that something is going to bring this ongoing nightmare to an end, um, and yet it doesn't, and we keep still look. I I, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, let me put it this way. I tweeted that. I was obviously reacting to Anthony Bourdain's death, and I've still woken up every day and stared at the phone as, you know, you keep hitting me in the head with a hammer. And uh, I keep saying, "Okay, do it again. Maybe this time it won't hurt.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I have turned off all the notifications on my phone in a way of of trying to manage the the flow and succeeded for, I would say, a week, a few weeks ago of not checking first thing. And I've also thought about, like, why I'm doing this to myself. And I don't I don't have a good answer.
2: No. And, and, and what's usually true is that when you do something like that, from my case, I just took a, a, a sort of pre-honeymoon before I got married. My, my very soon-to-be wife and I went off to Europe for two weeks and, and I signed off Twitter. I still monitored Twitter, but I didn't tweet, which means I wasn't getting anything back.
1: Such a good idea.
2: It is. And, you know, and it was great. I read a couple of books, right? Because I wasn't sitting in bed staring at Twitter all night. Um, and further, I realized that the world spun on without my takes on it. Right. Because that's specifically the Twitter, the, the impulse, which is that, oh my God, I have a reaction to that and I can share it with the whole world. Right. You know, that's dumb. Or as you like to say, Dan, oh my God. Although often more obscene. <laughs> and, and, and the temptation to do that is overwhelming, you know, but it turns out if you don't do that for two weeks, nothing changes. Nothing. The world is no better or worse than it would have been had you been able to do that. And I realized that. And I said, my God, that's great. I could I could stop wasting all my time on Twitter and go and do all the other things that life has to offer. And instead, since the moment we landed back in America, I've done nothing but be on Twitter.
1: Yeah, we have built these neural superhighways that just it's very the 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 view is, is bleak, but it's quick, and it's it or oh, we yes. can take this little winding side road that'll take us forever, and we'll get stuck behind a tractor. But you know, it's it's much more it's much more pleasant. But it's so easy.
2: Do you, Do you ever wonder what this sort of thing was like for, say, our parents during Watergate? Yes, every day. I mean, I I, I remember, for example. The summer it must have been in 1974 when I was nine, and I was really upset because instead of being able to watch summer reruns all day, the the TV was just showing these Watergate hearings, which was very boring to me. But that must have been like hugely, um, hugely uh, compelling for everybody at the time. I'm sure they woke up and instead of grabbing their phones to see what had happened, grabbed the paper, you know, uh, before they peed.
0: But then there was, then they got a lull right? Like they would read yeah. the paper and then they would have to wait for Walter Cronkite or whoever was on the evening news to give the next installment. And then they had to wait till the next day for the next paper. must've been so you
2: know, relaxing. I mean, it, it couldn't have been as bad, but I wonder if it was worse than we think. Maureen, didn't you reference on like the last edition of this podcast, a, a Watergate thing? Did you listen to um, slow burn. The Watergate podcast.
1: Well, thank you for asking. I did because uh, I I listened to all things Watergate as Dan, as Dan knows well. Uh, Dan tweeted an Onion article at me today about friend who has recently listened to Water. I, I listened to Watergate or read Watergate things uh, as a sort of calming mechanism. Um, oh yes, you know, like well, I, I got stressed out and listened to all twenty six hours of John Dean's The Nixon Defense the other day as a way of unwinding. It it doesn't help.
2: No, I would have I would have said that prior to you attempting it. Well, then you know far more than I. I mean, yes, nobody had Twitter. And unless you had one of those old-fashioned 1920s stock tickers, you didn't have any way of like getting instant information all day. But did, were people obsessed? Did they just walk around all day and whenever they saw somebody, talk about it? Was every conversation about Watergate? I mean, did it did it sort of occupy everybody's brains? paralyzing their ability to do anything else in the way that this current ongoing crisis seems to be doing to us?
1: Is that to me or to the universe? Because... <laughs>
2: if, if, if whoever chooses to answer, you Please or the ethereal void.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, there's a there's a book called Washington Diary by Elizabeth, uh, I want to say Drew, but that's not it, Yeah, who
2: was covering... Well, there is an Elizabeth Drew who wrote a lot about Washington oh, okay. at the time, so yeah. it could be her.
1: And she talks about this And she said that, I mean, she does address this, that what this would have been like in a in a Twitter world. And but, yeah, this steady drumbeat of reading every newspaper, everywhere you went, the bus stop, you know, you know, just at lunch, every every moment was talking about uh, talking about this. But at the same time, I guess it really depends on where you were. But I in my parents' recollection was, yeah, the same that. I was a baby and my mom sat me on her lap and watched it.
2: Yeah. I mean, so I guess it's not that weird. I mean, I I think maybe humans aren't that different, but obviously the technology is. And so, you know, it's, it's a little bit like we're all rats and all rats have pleasure centers in their brains, but only one particular subspecies of rat has developed a machine that can plug right into it and constantly zoink it every 30 seconds. And that's us.
1: I don't know. You've never seen my dog with a tennis ball.
2: Yeah, I see your point. What does your dog do with the tennis she ball? She just
1: kind of whacks it, and then bounces up, and her ears spring up as if she's like never. And it squeaks, and then she just repeats the action over and over again. And that's what
2: that's, my dog. That's how I feel. What my dog does is, whenever something exciting happens, like a new person coming to the house, she runs over and she gets a squeaky toy. It has to be a squeak, mm-hmm. and she just lies there and squeaks it. She doesn't bring it over to play. She just wants to, she wants to herald your arrival by squeaking. And I just wonder what the evolutionary purpose of that behavior is.
0: If we're using dog metaphors for right now, my dog does the best right now metaphor, which is as soon as somebody new comes into the house, she comes tearing around the corner, barking like crazy, jumps and kicks them in the balls. (laughs) (laughs)
2: and that is that is the news the news is dan's dog and yet we all keep coming to your house to extend the metaphor we've
0: mostly stopped inviting people (laughs) (laughs) or we make sure she's at daycare to to shift gears just a little bit like you you also have a job with which current events are unavoidable because you have to get on the radio once a week and and make people laugh about them and like right that can't be very easy or great on the brain sometimes.
2: Well, so, it, it, sometimes I think of it as a positive, i.e. I have an excuse to do what I would probably be doing all day, which is staring obsessively at the news um, and reading every article I can find about the central issues of the day. Like I am a huge, you know, Russia, affair Rus. Obsessive, and I've read everything about that, and many, many other things that we've all been talking about. And I can say, unlike normal people, oh, I, I have to do this. It's my job. Don't you understand? But it also can be, as I've said, really, um, what's the word? Not good for me. Like, I used to read books all the time. I don't do that anymore. I've gotten to the point where I, it's hard for me to make it through a movie without grabbing at my phone and seeing what might have transpired. So, it's not good for me. The other aspect about it, which I think is less common, is, as you say, having to be funny, which is hard, especially because I have learned that it is very hard for me to be funny about things that I am very angry about. Other people like Samantha B are good at that. I am not. I am just not good at it. I've tried. So um, what I try to do is I try to, you know, work my way through to a place with at least some aspect of the news where I can be funny about it and that's good. And the other thing that I do of course once a week on my radio show is after we deal with the news of the day, the primary news of the day, we talk about other things. In hopefully a jovial and and conducive to laughter way. And that's also pretty good for me too. And our audience says it is. So I think that uh, my my predicament of having to stare at this stuff all day, every day is counterbalanced by the fact that it is my job, in fact, to be amusing and cheerful and lighthearted about it. And you kind of have to do that. You can't fake it. So I do that. And it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a break.
1: Do you ever get angry that other things are happening? Like this is, it's enough, right?
2: Yeah, it does seem, I mean, it's it's upsetting, for example, when you tune on, And this is particularly true of NPR, because NPR, it's all things considered. And and you tune on NPR, and they're doing some story, some charming story about some album that dropped, or some interesting cultural phenomenon, or perhaps somebody doing good works somewhere in the jungles of Honduras. And you're like, shut up, NPR. Don't you understand? The country is on fire. The republic is at stake. You need to be talking about that. So then I turn off NPR. Because they won't talk about, you know, Trump and everything going on. And I turn on CNN and all they talk about is Trump. And it's tedious and boring and mind killing. So I don't know what to do.
1: Yeah, it's impossible to sort of know how to live in 2000. It's like we all have to learn how to live again. Like, what are we? I feel like every day we wake up and I have to ask ourselves all the fundamental questions that all, you know, who am I? What do I stand for? Where do I live? What kind of person am I? And how do I want to live my life?
2: Yeah, we're all basically that fun song. Um, And what's even worse is that that we're talking about this, this endless compulsion to follow the news helplessly. Other people are actually listening to us talk about that. (laughs) They're even worse than we are. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just sadness all the way down. At the
1: same time, though, if I didn't have things like your show and Pod Save America and other and and shows that kind of make light of the news, I I don't know what I would do.
2: Well, what I say to audiences, uh, pretty much every, I don't know if either of you have been to see my show, but you know, we always have a little audience chat with the audience before the show, and 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 I say to them. You know, I don't think that what we do on this show makes any difference in the world. You know, Whatever change is going to happen, for good or bad, is not going to be caused by me making jokes or anybody making jokes. But then I say, it really does feel good to say some shit about the guy. And that's basically, everybody laughs because it's true. It's just, it's just a bit of a release. Although, just to pick up on something I said before, one of the things we constantly talk about here in the office is how much is enough. When does our audience want us to stop going on about it? Even though there, you could fill a whole show, as you know, with everything that happened in a given week or day, when do they want us to stop and move on to something else? And uh, we think that moment always comes a little earlier than I personally think it should. But usually my my colleagues are right. I
1: don't know. People can also be self-regulating, we said during a conversation about how people aren't self-regulating. <laughs>
2: It's true. The, the, the one thing, I, and just picking up on something, the one thing that, that uh, I just want to return to, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot in terms of my Twitter break and in terms of what I just said about my show, all of this, all of this is useless. My show is useless. Twitter is useless. Certainly tweeting is useless. It's not going to change anything. Uh, and, and we all know about the people who are actually going to change anything. If change is going to be made, it's going to be candidates, it's going to be donors, it's going to be journalists. Um, and, and I think that's important to remember that, that as much energy and time we're putting into the tweeting and the talking and the podcasting and the radio showing, that's really not going to be the thing that saves or dooms us. It's, it's going to be other people actually applying themselves to the world. One thing I've been saying, uh, sometimes I get to go and like talk and give speeches in a slightly less comedic way. And one thing I like to be saying recently is, um, you know, Martin Luther King quoting another person used to say, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And I say, no, he's wrong. It doesn't bend toward justice. However, it can be bent. And the bending is done by really, really hard work by people who are far more capable, intelligent and dedicated than I. And those people, they're not doing it on Twitter.
0: <laughs> uh, I know that was supposed to make me feel better, but. <laughs> I know you and I are like on Twitter like, all the time. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, mean, but, I guess you know, to me, I, like the. Last week I found to be a real. Psychic drain of a week, you know, and the yes, the uselessness of it all. Right. Or of any of my actions around it really just it was like, why do any like, why do any of it? And I know that I like certainly it was a lot of it was just the the drag of what was just a hard week on every possible measure of a hard week, you know, but just like I do often at this point just kind of wonder, like, what is what are my actions adding up to? Or what are anyone's actions really adding up to?
2: Well, the, the the problem is, of course, is that nobody's individual actions adds up to anything. But real change happens when a lot of people get together to do something and all of those people are individuals, right? So you, you have to keep trying, you know, pick your metaphor, you know, the ant colony or whatever that the, the people, you know, so... If people want change, I can't do this. I'm, I'm um, enjoined by NPR for, from participating in partisan politics of any kind, and that's the condition, and I accept it. But people who aren't, you know, they can go out and they can um, donate money. They can go work for candidates. They can uh, engage in you know, actual journalism, which is different than saying your opinion on Twitter, but actually uncovering facts and publishing them for the world to see. Um, they can do education. They can do all kinds of things, all of which you know about. Uh, And that will actually make the world change. What I think we do, uh, you know, is we cheer people up, which isn't bad, you know, and like, uh, you know, like your pea candles. I have a pair. I don't believe that lighting them is going to actually make any difference.
1: They will, Peter. You just have to believe. (laughs)
2: Well, I, what I believe is that whenever I see them sitting there in my table, and little, you know, it's like, oh, that's very funny. That's a great idea.
1: <laughs> I'm bringing mine to my wedding. Are you really? <laughs> yes.
2: I guess, you know, we, it would be funny because we're having a Jewish ceremony and on Friday night, you know, we're having a gathering and we're lighting Sabbath candles. So maybe I should use those and see if anybody notices.
0: There you go. No, why not? So in a in a moment of joy and greatness, both
2: of you are getting married in the next week, essentially.
1: Not, not to each other. No,
2: not to each other. In fact, we've never physically met. Although I've, Until
1: next week when we get married. Exactly. And that'll
2: be very exciting. I love doing it in the old-fashioned way. Now, I've been thinking about this because, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to like make a make any kind of bet on the future these days, right? And so I honestly do think that sometimes like doing things like getting married, assuming your, your future is going to be present, is actually kind of an act of resistance, right? At least I'm telling myself that. It'll justify the cost of the wedding.
1: I honestly, I think that because I've been together with my other half a long time and we just haven't gotten married because it's it, families on both sides of the Atlantic and it's it's a lot of work. And also I um have a personal problem with with the the bridal industry. Oh, it's a problem. Um, with, well, oh, oh, don't get me started, Peter.
2: Don't get me started. <laughs> the wedding industrial it. complex I know all about. That's
1: That's right. Oh, do not. Do, anyway. I get very angry about that and I don't like that stuff. But I was we kind of high fived and said, let's do this thing. Everything's terrible. Let's do something nice. And also you're from a foreign country and Trump is crazy. So God only knows what will happen if we don't. There is that.
2: Yeah, that's good. So you could actually claim asylum if that's if it comes to that.
1: Our plan was, you know, that we could decamp to England, but then they destroyed everything. Now they're in the process of punching themselves in the dick. We, so- were, we
2: were just on vacation. We were in Slovenia, which is really beautiful. And we were literally saying, you know, if you know, when, the, when, the, when, the, when the flag goes up or the flag comes down or whatever the expression is, when the, when the ball drops, I don't know, this would be a fine place to, to have exile. And then literally the day after we got back, they elected a crazy right wing government. So you're right. There's no place left to go. But I'm curious, did you in fact say to your significant other, you know what? Things suck. Let's make a statement about some faith in the future. Let's say kind of. to ourselves that we're going to do this positive thing that indicates we think there's a future ahead of us.
1: I wasn't as eloquent as that. Uh, it was more like, fuck everything. Let's do this fucking thing. It'll be better than every all this other fucking stuff. Uh, fuck fuck, fuck, <laughs> High five.
2: That let that be your vows, please. Mm. You know, I, I should say by the way that I've been through this before. This is my second marriage, and uh, we did all those things the first time, and they certainly didn't help in the end. So, I certainly don't believe in any superstitions about any of this. But we're sort of are we getting off topic here? Maybe not, because we're talking about trying to maintain faith in the future despite a lot of terrible things in the present. So that's what we're doing. So good on us.
1: Life is exactly the point. I mean, we're living through a weird time and we're doing all of these things we're doing against a backdrop of – it's like we're at the golden corral of shit. And, you know, everything on your plate is shit. And this is the backdrop that we're we're doing these – that we're living against.
2: Let let me ask you guys something because I was thinking about this. Um, I was thinking back to election night.
1: Peter, why would you do this to yourself?
2: uh, (laughs) Well, because – Naturally depressive. And here's a thought I genuinely had on election night, which was, well, I'm glad I'm older because my life will only be ruined for 30 years max. And I felt bad for younger people who will have to endure the destruction of everything uh, for longer. Uh, and I'm, I was thinking like wasteland thoughts. I was thinking like America will now end. Um, and I think I feel better now, because it hasn't ended, even for all the terrible things that have happened in terms of the destruction of the rule of law. And I want to say to anybody listening, uh, I'm not talking about uh, conservative policy preferences. That's like you know, that's whatever, guys, figure that out. I'm just talking about things like the attacks on the rule of law and international alliances and stuff like that. And. I find myself feeling a little better than I did but because like I said, we're all still here and and, and the arguments are still going on and, and, and there have been some victories and there have been some losses, but, but, you know, the world spins forward. Do you guys feel the same?
1: I believe we're birthing a generation of superheroes, to be honest. Um, for example, the kids in Florida.
2: Yeah. I think about um, them a lot too.
1: Yeah. They, I mean, because I, I, because I write with teens, I deal with a lot of, you know, teenagers, young adults, and they do amazing things. They really do. Like, I hate people. They're like, let's talk about the amazing things people do. Like, I, I'm i not a woo, but at the same time, I'm like, let's talk about the amazing things people do woo, because they really do. It, it wasn't really a shock to me that kids were like, no, fuck you. No more of this nonsense. And then a week later, they just owned Marco Rubio in a town hall so hard that he will he will never recover from that. I
2: I, like, I had the same thought. I watched it and I thought they were amazing, and that's why I've often referred to them as a source of hope. Here's a strange theory about them: that one of the advantages they have, in addition to their inherent courage and dignity, is that they were raised on a diet of really excellent television. <laughs> I mean, I watched Gilligan's Island and Brady Bunch growing up, so I had no idea how you'd behave in the face of stress other than going. Ooh, or whatever, whatever Gilligan does. But these guys have like watched the most amazing television created in the history of mankind and they know how to give a speech and they know about dramatic moments and they know how to like, you know, stand up and make a scene in the best way. And I think that's all to their advantage.
1: They can own like nobody else. They're really good. They also um, are facing down some... One, one, Dave Hogg, I think it was, they got swatted the other day. I know. And, and he, was able to kind of take it on the chin.
2: As it were. Uh, thankfully, he didn't actually take it on the chin. I mean, it's amazing. And and they're giving me a lot of hope. There are other people who give me a lot of hope. I mean, we can go through the usual suspects, the like people running for office and the lawyers filing suits and, you know, the people standing up where they can and doing what they can when they can. Um, did you read the article about um, the, the guys who were taping trump's paperwork back together
0: there, there there's <laughs> a whole bullet point set up for our our uh, our episode discussion about those fucking people <laughs> i know well
2: we're hold on
1: with our lives
0: but here's the thing
2: i, I mean we're all talking about it and a lot of people have focusing on the fact that you know trump tears stuff up and in violation mm-hmm. of the law and even when told not to tear stuff up he still tears stuff up because it doesn't listen to anybody we all know this but what I took away from that was like, these guys were like, all right, if that's the job to follow the law, that's what we'll do. So they, because the law says this stuff has to be preserved, they sat in a goddamn basement for hours and they complained about it, but they did it because that's the law. Now, they were then fired uh, without cause, which is bad. But those guys who were like, well, the law says... We got to save this stuff. So even if he tears it up, we got to save it. I mean, whoever grabbed it from the Oval Office, brought it out to them, gave it to them, filed it when they were done. Those guys are kind of heroes because the, those are the those are the daily decisions that keep you know the Constitutional Republic going. The fact that the people who are making those decisions are being fired is bad, but the fact that they exist is cheering.
1: Yeah, there are, I think there are heroes all over. I frequently just think about that. There was, I forget what city it was in. But there's a Trump was coming to do a rally and four kids just showed up on their bikes with like cardboard signs taped across. It said, fuck Trump. Yeah, <laughs> and was like, those kids are my heroes. And I have a picture of them on my desk top that I can just look at if I need <laughs> cheering. I mean, up.
0: I think one thing that's interesting about right now and, and potentially why kids have been able to kind of react and mobilize faster than certainly traditional Democrats. Right. Is. Yeah. All of the all of the rules were thrown out the window, right? And everyone has to get a whole new machine up and running now. Like, a, the engine has to get going. And it does, like, those moments of hope, and certainly as you see, especially women candidates being elected in these primaries and all of this, you're seeing this engine finally kind of revving. Kids don't have the legacy, right? Like, they're just like, fuck it, I'll just say it you know they don't they don't have to get the engine moving as quickly because they they don't have as much that they're shedding in the process so i think that that's that's part of it and i do feel like as as quickly as they jumped ahead you are seeing more and more folk from you know parts of the country that you don't normally get to kind of have at the center. Same with kids, you know, people of color, immigrants, all of this, like all of these folks are suddenly like, Hey, you know what? The the rules are gone and we, we are able to kind of center ourselves in this narrative in a way that we haven't before, you know, and that is certainly yeah. very heartening.
2: And and it's also a lesson. This whole thing is what happens when you're not paying attention. Um. Because one of the legacies of Obama, which is strange, I mean, one of the things that always puzzle me about Obama is how few people he inspired to follow in his footsteps. In the sense that you guys know that Obama was a community organizer here in Chicago, and he was trying to get things done. He was trying to sort of fight the power as a community organizer. And he realized early on that instead of fighting the power, you should get the power and use it, which is why he went into politics. And that was his essential insight, that if you really want to make change, don't you know fight the people with the power, become that person, and then change it with the power you get. And that started them off to becoming president. And what amazed me is that during his eight years, there was no like Obama Democrats, there, like there were you know, Reagan Republicans, nobody who said, my God, that's right. He's, that was exactly what we need to do to change the society in the way that we want. So I will also run for office, school board, state senate, like Obama started off, whatever it may be. Instead, people still thought, his liberal supporters, that op- the politics was kind of grungy and, and sour and beneath them. They, they wanted to be not Obama, right, or, or the government officials who worked with Obama. They wanted to be the cool people who got to go to the parties with Obama. And I, I think that that was really a tragic flaw. Um, Obama constantly urged people to vote, but he never urged people to run for office, or at least he didn't do it in an effective way. And I think what happened in 2016 is a lot of those people who thought politics was unimportant and grungy and silly and dirty, they found also it can really do a lot of tremendous damage if if power falls in the wrong hands. So maybe they finally figured that out. I hope. Here I am giving advice to people for practical change. What do I do? I tell fart jokes on public radio.
0: <laughs> on that note, we should uh, we should let you get back to those fart jokes. But um, yeah, they
2: don't write themselves, let me tell you.
0: Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, My pleasure. It's an honor. Good luck with the wedding in a few days.
2: Thank you. It should be a lot of fun. And hopefully we won't talk about politics the entire weekend.
0: Very, very nice gentleman. I have met him here in Chicago for a few years now, uh, on and off, and he is, a, he is a fine gentleman. He is a very nice man.
1: Dan, he said a lot of to the max stuff in there. He did. And, you know, I... And it's true that, like, getting married is, you know, some taking it to the max stuff. Um, and obviously... I have a very exciting day ahead when 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 Carter tries to find me and when Sam tries to find me and, like, all the cool stuff that's going to come out of Man, that.
0: Man, that's going to be some madcap hijinks, Maureen. It
1: sure is. I fully anticipate that our Escape for Central Park will be on... If it's not a pedicab, then I'm disappointed in myself already.
0: Pedicab pulled by raccoons.
1: Oh. <sighs> Beautiful, beautiful raccoons. And then, yeah, and then we're having a, we're having a, I don't like bridally It's it's just a party, Dan. We're just having people food. That's great.
0: Everyone loves a party.
1: But we're having some nice food, Dan. You want to know what we're having? Yeah.
0: Wait, wait. All right. You're setting me up, aren't you?
1: Nope. I'm just going to tell you what we're having.
0: I feel very nervous about this now.
1: No, Dan, I'm just, okay. For the first hour, it's like, past little tiny snacks like little you know little mini because i love mini food
0: who doesn't If you
1: show me a little oh mini food is my passion like you show me a little tiny anything and i'm in among the little things we'll have is little mini canapé size chicken and waffles
0: oh my goodness
1: i mean come on i can't eat them but you could eat that
0: Good gravy. I could eat a lot of those.
1: Yeah, little little tiny jackfruit tostadas, uh, little tiny soups, little tiny, but the little chicken and waffles. Yeah, a little piece of fried chicken. On.
0: You, I, a sad thing is that I cannot be at your party, um, but if I was there, I would have seen how many of those I could fit in my mouth at once.
1: Well, just wait, Dan, because it's going to be a better. So yes, mini chicken and waffles is one of the many little snacks that's going to go around. And then because I'm marrying an English person and it's summer, I'm like, we want to make it like a party. Like, it's a fun summer night. So one side, well, there'll be like a burger, like a mini burger bar. Yeah. So you can get mini mini burgers and like little fries and, you know, veggie burgers and all that stuff. And on the other, like there'll be another station that's curries for the English. Uh. Like It's all different kinds of curry and like chicken tikka masala and veg- vegan curries and like all kinds of stuff. And then in the middle, there's going to be this giant, thing of, like, every kind of vegetable and salad, like, all kinds of, like, you know, that kind of stuff. But then, Dan, at the end, there's no cake. We're not doing that bullshit. Little pies in jars.
0: Oh. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. What flavors? What flavors?
1: Key lime. Oh. Um, Chocolate. And what's the last one? I forget what the last one is. But, yeah, they're little, they do pies, like, little... Little shot glass size yeah. pie. Uh-huh. That sounds awesome. That's good, right? I'm very happy for y'all. And, uh, yeah, it's a little little food. Little food is it's great. It's the, you know, and uh, when I think about food, Dan,
0: I I was like, you're getting all posy because I know what you're doing right now. I get hungry. You're looking up. Nope. Up.
1: I said, when I think about food, I get hungry.
0: Mm. Can I tell you why I can't be at your wedding party? Yes. Because that is the first day that me and my whole family are in a, in a, in a car pulling a trailer for eight weeks this summer. That is day one of eight weeks on the road. Where are you going? Uh, first, we're going to Minneapolis because I have to host a, uh host a conference up there. Uh, then we are going over to Mount Rushmore. Uh, my two-year-old son's birthday is uh, July 4th. So we are actually going to be at Mount Rushmore on July 4th. Oh, why not? not? To the max, Maureen. Hell yeah. Uh, then we're going to uh, kind of bomb around Colorado for a bit. Then we are going to Yellowstone. Then we're going to Glacier National Park at the top of Montana. And then... Then we are driving along the top of the United States home.
1: I feel like I am trying to live the to the max. Like, this is a rough time. Yeah. You're going on the road with your family.
0: We are fully to the max.
1: Yeah. And I feel like I'm doing the same thing. And it's, I hope, says Whovians, like, take some time for yourselves. Because this is, and this is some advice I gave this week. So this is my little take heart this week. If stuff is shitty, get a book. You know, and if you don't want a book, like you can get something else, get a game or whatever you need, just get away and spend some time with you. Say, like, this is time for me and this book. Yeah. This is time for me and this game. And I'm going to get the hell away and spend some time with this
0: headphones, music, and go on a walk. Yeah. It's a good time. Or
1: even, or even cut off all the electronic stuff and really like take a break, even for a couple hours, and you'll have, uh, Take a break and I definitely eat something. Just eat something. This is not, and I mean, I'm just like, you oftentimes when you don't feel, you eat something, you feel sure. a little
0: bit better. Well, Maureen, our theme music is performed by Ted Leo. Our logo is designed by Darth. You can contact us at Says Who Podcast on Twitter. You can email, hey, that is H E Y at Says Who Podcast.com. You can join the discussion on Facebook at slash groups slash says Whovians. Our Facebook group is moderated by Janice Dillard. That's
1: right. And uh, Dan, where are you right now?
0: Right now, I'm in my basement in Chicago, but this is the last time I will have that sign off for two months, Maureen. The next time you hear me, I'll be in Minneapolis, Minnesota.
1: So you're going to have to find some
0: Wi-Fi? It's gonna get a little complicated uh, at the end of the trip, but I firmly believe I can make it happen.
1: And uh, do you have a stove inside the camper?
0: Yes, our our trailer is nicer than our house. I have to say.
1: Are you gonna? Do you have like a portable grill that you're gonna bring with you?
0: Yep, I do have a portable grill that I'm bringing with me.
1: What kind of stuff are you gonna make on
0: that? Probably some hot dogs, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: quesadillas. Mm All sorts of good stuff. I see where you're going, Maureen.
1: I am just asking if you have a stove. And so when you go to places, they will like go to a local store?
0: Yep. I feel like I'm walking into a trap.
1: No, I think that's cool because I love going to um, local grocery stores in different parts of the country. You go to some local grocery stores. You'll see a lot of get do some regional foods. That'll be really nice. It will. The whole thing's going to be great.
0: I'm really looking forward to it.
1: And you won't have a fixed address, so you'll have to go shopping for
0: yourself. It's true. I see where you're going, hmm? and I'm very nervous about it.
1: No, I was just asking what how you, logistically you were doing that. You won't have a doorstep that anything could be delivered just,
0: to. You. I just, I, I feel like you're setting a trap if I, if I agree with you.
1: It just sounds like a wonderful summer.
0: It will be. It really yeah. will be.
1: So, and how will you get your mail?
0: Uh, we're putting our mail. We're stopping our mail, Maureen.
1: If you didn't do that, yeah. okay, here it comes. You get your mail, and you probably get a lot of junk mail and things like that. You'd have to just end up recycling.
0: <sighs> okay, just just say it. Just mm-hmm. do it. Do what? Just, just God damn it! Just do the blue apron shit, Dan. I wish you wouldn't bring up. I was
1: gonna. I. I thought we'd agree we weren't going to bring up Blue Apron. You're making me crazy. I thought we... But, I mean, if you... You seem... Honestly, I don't want to be critical, but you seem a little... stressed out about this. You seem a little obsessed with it. I'm not sure this is healthy for you, Dan. I don't think that this is... You know, we've had the discussion that we don't have sponsorship, and we would like to have it, but... Honestly, I think we'd do better probably with a mattress company or, you know, something like that.
0: I'm very now, if light-headed, you did right now.
1: If you did sign up for something like that. But you wouldn't. I mean, I don't think you would. I mean, especially if you're going to be on the road.
0: From my basement in Chicago, I'm Dan Sinker.
1: I will miss hearing you say that when you're on the road.
0: But think of all the exciting places I'll say it from.
1: Sweet pepper and fig grilled cheese. Damn that's it. That's our Spice Burgers. Ugh. Chrissy Teigen's Chipotle Lime Chicken fajitas, Ugh. Spicy Veracruz-style shrimp. Ugh. And just some pasta with tomato sauce that's worth about 50 cents. These could be yours for a large price. Stop. Comes right to your just house. You feel off. better. You've... You know what, Dan? You feel better now, don't you? feel better. You feel like I've released you. You know why? Yeah because i've conditioned you to blue apron you actually from wanted my, me to do it you wanted my, me to do it
0: from my basement in chicago i
1: only did it to i only did it to make you happy
0: i'm dan sinker
1: and i'm blue apron
0: you get married
1: yeah you have to be nice to me
0: god damn it i do